Well, good morning, everybody, and thank you very much for joining in this conversation. There are two documents that we're dealing with. The first one, as bishops we've received, and the second one, as bishops we've composed. Both of them go forward as they are, and I think that's an important point to keep in mind. I think with regard to the national synthesis, the main stance of the bishops was one of great gratitude to receive the, what, 800 pages and then the work of the group that synthesized that into a very coherent report, which we had a preliminary look at, and Chris will explain, and then received in its final form. And then on that basis and looking at this moment, we concluded our own reflections. And the two have to be understood. The Bishop's Reflections is not a commentary on the synthesis. The synthesis stands on its own feet. This is what the process of listening so far has produced. And then secondly, this is how we bishops understand our role in reflecting on this moment and offering those reflections as part of this process. So, Christopher, if you would like to explain a bit more detail how this all worked in practice. So, our, um, our Holy Father, Pope Francis, launched the Synod back in October of last year, and we created a team of diocesan leads from each of the dioceses uh, in the country that uh, met on Zoom to look at uh, practicalities, look at methodology, uh, and uh, once the diocese began their work, um, which in the main took place from sort of Advent until the beginning of Holy Week, what I was asked to do was to look at how we would actually bring together all of the material that would be generated from uh, the diocese and from the national organisations that would make submissions to the Bishops' Conference because the Bishops' Conference is the organ which the Synod Office in Rome asked to do that collation. We have a great blessing in this country, uh, and that blessing is the Synod of the Archdiocese of Liverpool. And we drew a lot on their experience. Father Philip Inch, who coordinated the work there, uh, gave um, a talk to all of the Synod leads about uh, how to synthesise the work uh, that was coming in from parishes and from different groups within dioceses. And we realised that we needed to create a team of people that would take forward that work on the national stage. So um, I approached various people with various different skill sets, collaborating with Bishop Marcus Stock and uh, Archbishop John Wilson to, to look at you know, what did we need. And the team was formulated uh, from uh, a number of approaches that we made to people to come and, and be part of that work. So we received all the documents from the national organisations from the diocese on the Friday before Palm Sunday. And the collated version, uh, a folder about three inches thick, was sent to each of the members of the National Synthesis team in Holy Week to begin their reading through and their prayerful reflection on uh, what we had received. Because we then met as a National Synthesis team for two days in Limehouse at St. Catherine's in Limehouse, where we rooted our work in prayer. We looked at the emerging themes from the reports from the diocese. Uh, and from that, we began uh, to work on a structure. This was, structure was reported uh, by my colleague, Father Jan Novotnik, and myself to the bishops at their plenary meeting in Cardiff in the first week of May. 
And then from that, we, um, each of us taking various parts of the structure, we drew together the first draft of the National Synthesis. And that was sent to nearly 100 people, bishops, lay people, religious, members of national organisations who gathered in Southwark on the 1st of June to reflect on what was received. That was a very profound moment, uh, again rooted in prayer. Uh, we had a, a period of exposition and quiet prayer. We had a, a celebration of Mass. And in the afternoon we were facilitated on that day by Sister Bernadette Rees who works in Rome from the uh, Dicastery for Communication uh, in, uh, in the Holy See. And she helped us to unpack what we had received and to look at ways of improving it. The overwhelming response that we got from that day was that the individual reports of dioceses were certainly echoed in that national synthesis that was produced. We then took away all of the comments from all of the tables and the groups that we were uh, engaging with and worked again to refine, to hone, to bring out more sort of light and darkness as it were and give, give better depth to the document. Uh, and that then uh, was then presented to the bishops on the uh, 28th of June uh, and from that they then worked on their discernment. So the process was an iterative process. There was a lot of correspondence between the nine members of the team that drew up the national synthesis. Uh, and then finally we submitted that to the bishops. I also sent it to all of those who had been involved on the 1st of June and all of the diocesan leads so that they could uh, see what, what work had been done and that uh, their uh, incorporations from that iterative process had been engaged within it. Thanks, Philip. Sarah. Good morning, everyone. Being a member of the team was um, a real privilege. It was not something that I expected um, to even be involved in, but I was um, very impressed with the group of people that I was with. In terms of how we approach the work, um, Canon Chris has, has spoken about the, the methodology of the, you know, the various meetings that we had, but I think at the heart of what we were trying to do was to be truly faithful to what we had received. So it took a great deal of time to read all of the reports um, from around the country um, and to then respond as creatively as possible. The thing about the group was really strong was that we were able to discuss with each other with um, a great deal of, I felt, dignity and respect for the people who had reported, sent those reports in. And it was a challenge for me, I think, and probably other people in the group, that you know, it wasn't just a case of, oh, well, this is what needs to be said. We had to grapple with, you know, where were the fruits? Where were the jewels? Where were the things that were causing people pain? And how do we present that in a way which is um, honest and which had, you know, real integrity and was a true reflection of, of what, was, what we had received? Um, and that was really at the heart of, of how we worked in that prayerful way that um, Canon Chris talked about. Every time we met, every time we worked on our own, was done in the context of some kind of prayer. And I suppose the biggest um, question that we constantly had to go back to is, is it about reporting faithfully what we have received or analysing why people have said what they have said? And we, we, we came down purely, I think, on the, the side of, not analysing and giving our viewpoint, but actually just reporting faithfully what we had received in the way that um, would make sense to people. 
Okay. I think for, certainly for us bishops, and I think for the life of the church in England and Wales, these have been really important months. I think in our attempt to grasp everything that was put in that national synthesis, and then for each bishop to hold it together with the process in which he'd been involved in his own diocese, gave us quite a formidable process to undergo, whereby we could absorb as best we could what was being said, and then, to some extent, step back from that. Not, I agree with Sarah, in trying to give it an academic or intellectual analysis, but really to pay attention to the impact, to the impact of what people were saying. And I think that's why when you look at the document that the bishops have put together over three attempts, uh, probably the most used word is heart. Uh, and I think what we've tried to do is to understand the impact of what has gone on for the last few months right uh, in the experience of faith, uh, which is much more to do with the spiritual life with the life of the heart that seeks God, rather than with the propositions of faith. So here we are not responding or dealing with faith as a series of propositions to be debated, but rather trying to enter into what people are telling us. It's like to live faith today in these circumstances in their parishes, in their organisations. There was quite an interesting phrase used, um, you can easily find its author, which spoke of the synodal journey as being similar to the life of prayer, with its struggles, its doubts, its uncertainties, and its joys and its consolations. It's, much more about an exchange of the heart than it is about a discourse or a public debate of ideas. So, as I say, the structure of the reflection which we've put together focuses on that impact, that opening up what is seen, what is reported as hurt, what is reported as joy, what is reported as dream. It's those elements that are the most important thing which we have tried to reflect on as bishops. So that's why you will see in one of the first parts of this document an acknowledgement of, we use the phrase from the Second Vatican Council, the signs of the times. In other words, what is tough nowadays? What is fruitful? nowadays? What are the realities that we've lived through for the past two years? Because that's the locus of the experience of faith. 
And then we've tried to show that in this experience and in this life of faith, the bishop has a particular role. And, and that is a very distinctive part of this synodal process. And so it's, it's, it's this sense of what is the charism of the bishop? And you can see that well explained under the heading, the bishop's discernment of the heart. And that, of course, is expressed and developed through the dialogue of heart speaking to heart. And in that section of the document, if you have it in front of you, you can see that there are certain key issues which are noted. And I'll just run through them. There's a deep desire for a new renewal of a missionary dimension and dynamism. There's a desire for lay formation. There is a desire to understand that the Christian life is rooted in baptism and that baptism gives gifts for mission. There's a desire for what is called a mission-oriented pastoral planning. There's a need and a desire to see what are the specific gifts that women bring together with others. There's a desire to find ways of what is described as collaborative decision-making. There's desire to pay attention to the small voices and to those who are described here as the broken-hearted. I think the second thing I would like to say, so that, that first is trying to locate this process of the Synod, not as a debating society, but as an exploration of the spiritual and sensitive life of faith of people. The second point I'd like to make is this, that we're talking about simply a moment. This is a moment in a process. It's not a conclusion, it's not a closing, but it's a moment in a process that will unfold at many different levels. Clearly, as Christopher said, all of this work goes to the Holy See and it will go into a European level reflection in October. And then next October, there is this Synod of Bishops on Synodality. I think what was also very clear is that this is a moment in the life of each diocese and that there is an undertaking that somehow these months and the impetus that they've given and the vitality that has emerged in so many people, the thankfulness of being listened to, of having this op opportunity has to be continued in each diocese and indeed in each parish. So this is a moment of a journey. The third thing would be, what is very clear to us, is that this has to be expanded. We're actually talking here about quite a small proportion of Catholics who have responded. And we have to expand the reach of this. And you will see some of the particular groups to which we need to reach. I think there's also a sense that we need to deepen a sense of what are the tap roots of this energy. I think over and over again we can see the need to relate this into the dynamic of knowing and loving serving Jesus Christ. So it's, it's 
got to become, we believe, more centered on Christ, more Christocentric. And, and I think also we know, as Christopher says, from the example of Liverpool, that we have to prolong this process. The Liverpool Synod has been running now for four or five years. The rest of us can't do in four months what has been done there. So we've got to extend the pace and the, the length. And then finally, if I may, I think there's one underlying notion that has come through. Uh, Pope Francis talked about it at the, beginning, at the very beginning of his pontificate. And he talks about the skill of accompaniment. And he said, right at the beginning, this is an ability, a capacity that everybody in the church has to learn. And that I think is what come through more than anything that we wish to be able to find ways in which nobody walks alone and in which everybody has an, a capacity and a readiness to accompany others on this journey of faith, which has revealed, has been revealed to be one of great depth and of great love and of great vitality. Thank you.